0: but let's get into the Word this morning. How many is ready for the Word? Amen. Amen. got your Bibles with us today. Turn with me to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. The title of this morning's message is The Bread of Life, a Spiritual Diet. Spiritual Diet. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for who you are. Lord, we love you so very much. And Father, we prepare our hearts to read and meditate on your Word to dive deeper into it, God, to let it be life to us, sharp into our hearts, into our souls, that would divide things that shouldn't be there from things that should. God, that you would just open our ears to hear what only you are saying. God, anoint me to speak only what you are saying, God, and I just pray that you would just uh, do your work today. In Jesus' name, amen. A small girl was uh, showing the bathroom scale, to her playmate that was at her house, and they go into the bathroom, and they look, and she points at it, and she says, All I know is that you stand on it, and it makes you angry. And uh, we're going to talk about spiritual dieting today. Uh, We are all born alive, but it's not enough to simply have life. When I'm born alive, there are things that I must do to stay alive. You don't just live. Uh, Even a tree out in the field, a tree is not just there because it was made by a seed, it continues to do what? Take in nutrients and grow. And so all of our lives, they've got to be sustained, and there must be provision for our daily growth. And uh, sometimes, though, our diet kind of gets unbalanced. We know this way too well as Americans, that our diet can get a little bit unbalanced, and our health suffers. I was reading uh, just last night that uh, the South has more kidney stones than uh, anywhere in the United States. Uh, probably from our sweet tea, and, and our sugar intakes, and our, our love of meat, uh, and all that. But uh, we know that our balance can get off, and the kind of foods that we eat is called our diet. Our diet can be the normal, habitual things that you eat, or it can be what? A special thing that we do every year at New Year's, we try to do, uh, and try to organize ourselves to be a little bit more healthy, right? We set those goals, and uh, we all know that it works so well that we, throughout the rest of the year, we're good to go, right? We get those New Year's resolutions, and we're just solid, right? No. Every year, we make those things. Uh, we work hard to get into shape by eating. Maybe we walk or do a little exercise, cut back on that sweet tea or that soda. But I, as we begin the year, I want us to examine ourselves not only physically, but say, where are we going spiritually? How healthy am I spiritually? And uh, we're going to talk about that today, how healthy are we spiritually, what's our spiritual diet, what's our spiritual resolutions, and what work are you determined this year to do spiritually? As much as I, my wife and I are examining our living, eating for life, that's kind of what I've been talking about, I'm about to be 30 this year, I'm getting old, you know, and... uh, I've been thinking, you know, I really, especially in the South, God, man, I've gained more weight this year in this one year of pastoring my whole life. Uh, All the fatty food we eat. That's right. We had some good catfish last night, but I love catfish. Fried food's good. I go. I have to learn to eat for life. I know you know I need to lose some weight here, but I've got to learn to eat for life because it's it's more about where I'm going and what and I have to determine what kind of work am I going to put into that. I think. For so many, we don't think about those kind of things spiritually. Where am I pursuing? Where am I headed spiritually? Where am I wanting to go? And what work and sacrifices are, am I willing to do to grow spiritually? And so, are you trying to live spiritually without a spiritual diet today? And are we so full and focused on natural things of this world that we ignore when we're spiritually hungry? And, but I'm going to talk about today that if we discover what we're truly hungry for empty ourselves of these natural appetites we have for the things of this world, and we determine to work for a food that nourishes us to eternal life. Amen? Amen. You're looking with me at John chapter 6. I'm going to just kind of give you the background story here because you've got to know where you've come from to know where you're going. So John chapter 6, in the very beginning, just the first verses, 1 through 25, we find ourselves with Jesus, and He is in in the Galilee, And he has made his way around. He's got a very popular ministry, and it's about to hit the climax of his ministry. And so Jesus, he finds himself needing to kind of get away. It's been a very busy time. It's a busy time of year. And so he goes around to the other side of the lake on the other side. And so he walks around him and his disciples. They find a mountain, a very green area to pray. Uh, But when he gets there, he finds that there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people there. And it's amazing, it's just like the first time, it's just, whoa. And the Bible says there were 5,000 men, plus women and children. So we, we don't know how many thousands of people, they didn't sit there and count it. They knew there was just a multitude of people. Jesus sees the people, he's got compassion on them for how hungry they are, for the words he's been speaking and the miracles he's been doing. But it's gotten late, it's taken a while for them to get there, and so it's about to get dark soon. And so Jesus tests his disciples, and he asks them, let's feed them. How can we feed them? And he goes through the story of a, uh, we remember the story about testing their faith. And so Jesus, in the story, was t- long story short, Jesus takes these five loaves and two fishes from this little boy, and he breaks and he gives thanks. And then what? We know the story of multitude of the feeding the 5,000. It goes out, and everyone eats to their fill, and they collect 12 baskets left over, and they glorify God. But along the way, they want to, they, the crowd rises up, and they want to make him king. And they are going to take him and make him king by force. But Jesus withdraws him and the disciples even further into the mountain to get away from that pressure, because that's not God's will. Jesus is there that night, and he asks his disciples, Who do you say that I am? The people have said, I'm a prophet, I'm Elijah. Um, this Maybe I'm John the Baptist. But Peter tells him, well, You know that you are the Son of God. We know, we see it, we've learned it. And so he says, okay, now, disciples, you go across the sea. I'll catch up with you later. So at night, the disciples go across the sea, strong headwind comes, trying to get back across. They don't make it. We know the story. Jesus comes down from the mountain. He's walking on the water, tends just to pass them by. But then he stops. He sees the disciples. Peter says, can I come? Peter jumps out of the boat, walks for a little ways, doubts, sinks. And Jesus says, oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? Get back in the boat. They go to shore. The crowd is left over in the mountain. And they've slept the night through the storm because they think Jesus is on the mountaintop. But Jesus snuck out the back door, right? Took a shortcut across the water. Otherwise, he'd have to walk through the crowd and go all the way around the whole lake. And so we find ourselves right now, we're in the next day. Jesus and the disciples have come to the other side of the lake. Jesus now has taken a breakfast run. He's gone into Capernaum. to do some more ministry, the disciples are there, and the crowd wakes up, and they're like, where'd he go? And so they get in boats, and some walk around, and some have taken in other boats, and they go searching for Jesus, because they're pursuing him, they're hungry for him, they've taken a lot of work to find him. And that's where we find ourselves, if you're with me today, in John chapter 26, or John chapter 6, verse 26, say amen. Amen. John chapter 6, verse 26. Have you ever been hungry and not knowing what you're hungry for. How many people do this? After church today, you're going to look to your spouse or your, your family and say, I'm hungry. What are you all hungry for? I don't care. What are you hungry for? Where do you want to go? I don't know. I'm hungry, but I don't know what I want. I do this all the time. It's just a thing. I don't know. Sometimes it's like if I could have anything in the world, what would I have? You have to go through this whole this, uh, mental thing. But it's kind of the same thing. These people were hungry, but they didn't know what they were hungry for. John chapter 6 verse 26 Jesus is going to tell them the same is true for so many people spiritually. They know they're hungry. They fill the empty spiritual pains, but they don't know what they need. Jesus looks at the crowds who had followed him that morning, had pursued him, stayed with through the night, through the storm, worked across the sea to pursue him, went around finding, searching for him. And he comes to these people and says something amazing, almost offensive. And He says truly truly I say to you you seek me not because you saw the signs but because you ate of the loaves and were filled do not work for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to eternal life which the son of man will give to uh, give to you for on him the father god has set his seal There are two types of appetite in this world and one is natural and one is spiritual These people are willing to follow Jesus for these natural reasons. They're kind of like people who eat a buffet, and uh, we had a Golden Corral up in uh, Columbia where I'm from, and I know they have one in Alexandria, but they have got the chocolate fountain you can go to there, and they got the candy. Man, aren't you ready to go to lunch? I mean, this is going to be a hard day, isn't it? They got the cotton candy, and, and we used to go to the kids' love, you know, that chocolate fountain, all those things. But it's kind of like going to a buffet, and you're eating for pleasure, We Americans are good about eating for pleasure. When you go to a buffet, you're eating for pleasure. I'm not eating just to get by and get me through the week. When you go to a buffet like Golden Corral or Ryan's or Texas Roadhouse, you're there because it's good, right? And you like those rolls. Man, this is going to be hard. You like those rolls. And uh, they had no desire to come to Jesus because they wanted to obey Him. They wanted Him to do something for them. And so many people today come to church and go through the motions, and they're coming in this religiosity, this churchiness, because they want Jesus to do something for them when they want it, in their own way, to taste a certain way. God, this is my craving. Why don't you give me a little, uh, it's kind of like a parfait. I love Dairy Queen's peanut buster parfait. It's all about food today, right? And it's like you crave certain things, and you want that craving filled. But Jesus is telling them, you're craving natural things, and I'm not a buffet. I'm not something that you just want to pick and choose because you want the pleasure of my company. I'm all in. Everything you need is me. And everything we need is Jesus. And that's what we're talking about today, that you can unknowingly... Pursue Jesus for the wrong reasons. These people were pursuing. They stayed through a storm and the rain and the wind, sleeping on a hill outside. They rode in the morning across a five-mile lake to find him. They were working hard, and they thought that Jesus was the answer. But yet when they got there, Jesus says, You don't really want me for the right reasons. So many people can come to church today and pursue it and work it and be a part of it and strive in it and yet not really want it. Jesus is everything. He's not a great side dish. He's not a a dessert. We seek Him because He provides more than just our physical needs. He's more than something I taste once a week, once a month. He's something that I'm always hungry for because He is my life's source. So many people want to find a diet that works. Kind of the same thing. Think about exercise. Some love it, some hate it. I'm one of those haters. Some love it, some hate it. And in our natural minds, sometimes we confuse this principle in the spirit. We ask, all right, how much spiritual work will it take for me to be healthier? Uh, What what do I got to do to please God? And maybe there's a list of do's and don'ts i got to figure out, because I need to know the work it's going to take for me to do this thing. And there are things that we do that is work. There, is, there are things that we do and make sacrifices for. But Jesus, look in verse 28, John 6:28. 28, he's talking about religious works. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that you must believe in him who he had sent. You see... These people were in a religion that was all about works. In their legalistic minds, they were thinking, okay, what do I have to do? You're telling me, Jesus, I'm not pursuing you for the right reasons. All right, okay, what do I got to do to please God then? What do I got to do to earn God's favor? What do I got to do to be saved? What works can I do? What list of do's and don'ts? Should I be involved in church? Should I pay my tithes? Should I be a Sunday school teacher? Should I uh, uh, give to the poor? Should I go volunteer at the soup kitchen? Should I you know, stop cussing? Should I stop drinking? What, what are the things I need to do, Jesus? And he says, this is the work you should do. Belief. If you have faith, we know that f- works follow faith. It says, they thought they had to do something to merit it, but yet salvation we know, is a free gift. Nothing is gained from your efforts. you understand that today? Nothing is gained from your efforts. When you are saved, you are saved. When you are saved, you are as holy as you're ever going to get. Anything I do is because I am walking with God in relationship with Him. And so the only work, Jesus says, is to receive. Sometimes it's a lot of work to take people to receive something. We had a watermelon giveaway one time we went door to door in our community and I wanted to give away free watermelons and we had a little sticker on there that said Columbia First Assembly and thank you for being a part of our neighborhood and we were just gonna go door to door and give a f- you wouldn't believe how many people would not take a free watermelon it was unbelievable I'm like this one lady she th- looks like sneaks out the door and like what do you want I guess this is kind of a rough neighborhood well, you know, and, and I'm like, and I just, next down the road, we love you guys, we're you know, the pastors down the road, and we just want to say thank you for being a part of our neighborhood, we love you, I just want to give you something free. It's summer, July, it's like 105 degrees, I'm sweating, I'm out there, and just take the watermelon, lady, and, and it would not take it, it's like I injected it with poison or something, and, and it was a free gift, but it's not free if you don't take it. And so salvation is the same way. I just want to receive it. But I do have to put out my hands and say, yes, God, come on in. I'm welcome. I want to take and eat of what you have for me. Another way you can think about it when we talk about looking for a diet that works is that uh, you think about these diet infomercials you see on TV. They often have what? A photoshopped bodybuilder over here and then this ugly fat guy over here. It's like this guy became this guy. And you're like, no, it didn't. That's Photoshop, right? You got a, a model and the guy down the road who was, you know, working on something. And it's kind of like that. People today want to see the living proof that Jesus works. Look in John six, verse thirty. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign, so that we may see and believe you? What work will you perform? Our fathers ate man in the wilderness as it was written, He gave them bread out of heaven to eat. And so they wanted proof, all right? So what do I, I'm, I'm not hungry for you apparently, so I need to fix my hunger. Okay, so what do I do to please God? Nothing, just believe, have faith, walk with Him, okay? Well, what's the proof that this is the right way to go? I need to know some, I need to see some evidence. Even though these people had already seen manna, I mean the, the loaves of bread, already saw the work of God, already heard the Word of God, they still wanted to see more proof. It amazes me amazes me. All of this comes together to understand that the rabbis had been teaching in their day that the Messiah, when he came, he would duplicate the miracle of manna in the wilderness. Through, remember and Moses in the wilderness, the Israelites uh, never went hungry because each day God provided this heavenly bread that came. The dew would settle, and it would be this crusty stuff, and they ate it, and it supplied all the nutrients that they would ever need, and they had quail. And they said, the Messiah is going to provide us a heavenly bread. The rabbis found it in the Old Testament. It says the Messiah is going to provide us this kind of stuff. So would you do that? And I'm thinking, they just saw him broke bread and feed 5,000 people. But they wanted this easy sign, a proof that a diet of Jesus worked. They still crave the natural. And Jesus tells them, look a little further. He tells them that this manna is a symbol of something spiritual. God would do. God the Father had gave, and He still gives the true bread out of heaven. Today, there are no religious exercises that will give you spiritual life. You're saved by God's grace alone. You can't work hard enough or long enough to stay saved or be saved, and our work and only work is in faith in Christ. So many people do want to see a sign See how God works, then they'll believe. If I could only an angel appear or somebody would just tell me a word of God or if this pastor would do it this way or this worship service would do it that way, if I could just get into the right groove or it would fit my little cubicle of what I want God to meet my needs and how God, I want church to look and how I want church to feel and how I want things to go. Then, God, I'll do everything right. I'll be better. God, I'll I'll have a deeper relationship if that pastor preaches this way. God, I'll have a deeper relationship if they sing these types of songs. God, I'll have a deeper relationship if this church is more friendlier than that church. They're looking for not God. They're looking for a buffet where they can eat and pick what they want. And Jesus is telling them it's not based on all those things because the truth is, is there can be signs and wonders in this building, and it's still wouldn't lead everybody to the truth of God's Word. Signs and wonders can even lead a person astray, but we have to have a new birth and a heavenly appetite. Sometimes we just need to go hungry. And that's what Jesus is leading them to, going hungry. Sometimes we can't manage a spiritual diet, and some of us, we know that those New Year's resolutions come and go. And for all of us who I know, I'm, I'm not a person who would diet well, uh, had too many years of eating whatever I wanted. And when we can't manage that spiritual diet, the Bible says some things. one thing that we can do is fast and get to the point of fasting. But it's not for physical needs. It's for our spiritual. We remind our natural desires that spiritually my soul is more important than my body. This body will die. This body will decay, but my soul lasts forever. And God tried to do this with the Israelites. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, if you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. Keep your hand in John 6. Deuteronomy 8, verse 3. God led the Israelites to the wilderness for 40 years to teach them a lesson. Because they were not hungry for God, nor a relationship with Him. They wanted Him to meet their needs, just like Jesus is encountering again. So Jesus quotes these verses. And John, dude, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is this verse, Deuteronomy 8, 3. He humbled you and let you be hungry, and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you understand that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by everything that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. Using a heavenly diet, God was teaching them about their relationship with him, that every day... God would give them just enough food to get to the next day. They couldn't collect more than what they should. Every day, enough manna came down for them to eat, enough quail came down for them to eat, and you didn't take any more. What was that teaching them? That every day, God is all that I need. Every day, God gives me exactly what I need. Spiritually, I must look to God as my source, my life. My whole dependence has got to be on God on everything. First, my spirit, and then secondly, the natural world that I live in. And so God is teaching them, I'm going to take you off the things of this world so that you can get a little bit hungry, and you'll recognize what you need is just enough. Just what I give you is enough. And so many people today, they don't know what enough is. We, we are so Caught up in all the things and the lights and the air conditioning and the comfort and the, all the things. And we forget that it's just the presence of God is enough. The presence of God has got to be enough for us to come here every week and have church. Because if this building burns down today or tomorrow, I'm not prophesying here, please. But if we had to go set up a tent and there was nothing but folding chairs, it would have to be enough. Because it's about God's presence. Amen? Amen. Many churches today don't even have but dirt floors, but it's enough because it's about the presence of God. the same is true in my day-to-day life with God. As I walk through my day, as I get up in the morning and go to work and go drive down the highway and I get through things and I go through the checkout line in the grocery store, I've got to be able to say, God, if I don't have it all, I have your presence and that is enough. I have to be full on the presence of God. But sometimes to get to that place, we've got to go a little hungry. That's why we're challenging people to fast this week. Because there's got to be this continual, consistent dependence on God. It's the same verses that Jesus quotes in the wilderness when the devil tempts him. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by everything that comes out of the mouth of God. That means I don't live on this natural world alone, but I live on the word of God. This is what sustains me. This is what gets me through life. This is what is my everything is the, not even the paper, not even the printed words, it's the living Word that comes off of these pages and comes into my heart and feeds me every day. And that's got to be enough. Amen? Amen? Going hungry. Jesus did not come to sustain life like natural food, but to give life, one author says. He says, I am. He is all. He is the I am. He is of heaven. And in Him... We never go hungry again. Too many people go through this life hungry and not knowing it. We've got to remind ourselves that God is all that I need. Changing our diet. It's what we come to now is changing my diet. Most people pretty much grumble and complain about dieting. How many of us are those? That's right. Grumble and complain about changing a diet. It's not good to change a diet. My wife made me eat salmon for the first time the other day. It was all right. I'm not a fan, right? But I need to change my diet. I got to get my cholesterol, you know, and all that. You grumble and complain. This is the same thing people did with Jesus. He's talking about spiritual things. They begin grumbling. Look with me, John chapter 6, verse 50. They come to Jesus, and they say, well, wait a minute, hold on a second. Isn't this guy Joseph's son... He's talking about all this spiritual, heavenly stuff. Isn't he the guy that was... Didn't I change his diaper that one time? Didn't I babysit him? Didn't I... I used to go to Tupperware parties with his mom. I mean, this is... I know this kid. And who is he to say all these things? They could not believe because they only craved physical things. They could only see through the natural. They could not see through the spiritual. And Jesus reminds them of Hosea chapter 11, verse 4, where God tells his people that I led them with bonds of love. I lifted their yoke, and I fed them. You see, that's what God is all about. That's why Jesus comes to earth. He says, I'm leading you. I'm drawing you. Nobody can, can come to the Father unless the Spirit draw him. The love of God drew his people. And when he drew his people, he broke the bonds of slavery and affliction and sin and death over them, and then he began to feed them. And that's what Jesus is referencing here, this whole passage, this whole parallel, uh, that God has come to draw men by his love, get them off the junk food of this world, take off the cravings of the things of this world, break their yoke of slavery that they don't even know they're in sin and slave to, and then put into their stomachs good, wholesome food, which is the word of God. And so that's what God wants to do. John 6, 50. Let's read this together tonight, today. This is the bread which comes out of heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And the bread also which I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Then it says, Then the Jews began arguing with one another, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat of the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourself. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. They didn't have twilight back then, but that's probably what they were thinking. This guy is a cannibal, or he's kind of gone in some weird stuff over here on the left field. And what is he talking about eating? Jesus begins speaking in spiritual things. Remember, he is God who came from heaven, and he is doing his best to relate to us. And the best way he knows how Jesus is the revelation of God. And so God is trying to speak to us and say, you don't understand. You can't You're not seeing spiritual truths. I've got to open your mind, and it's got to be that I put my spirit inside of you and drawing you closer to me so that you may understand there's more to this life than what you can see. We go through this world today not truly seeing all things that are around us, not truly understanding all the spiritual things that are involved in what God has done for us. And Jesus is saying that just like your body and your blood give life. We have a body. And we have blood. I don't know how, there's all kinds of nurses in here could probably tell me how many gallons of blood or pints of blood are in our body. But that blood is the life source. That's why we sacrifice, the Old Testament sacrificed it. It was sacrificing life. And that blood is the life source. If you don't have any blood in you, you're dead. And that body and that blood give and sustain our life. And Jesus is saying, I've got to be more important to you than your body and your blood. I've got to become your body, and I've got to become your blood. It's got to be my blood that's in you, and you've got to be in my body. And it's taken this parallel, this this metaphor to understand, wow, how important is God to me? Do you get up in the morning and think, all right, good, my blood's working, right? I mean, think about it. We don't consciously think about all the internal m- miracles that are happening in our body. My heart's beating at a certain rate. right? My body is regulating my temperature. My eyes are moving and blinking every so many milliseconds. You're like, all that works. Do you think about it? Sometimes when something's not working, maybe. My leg's not working. Okay, God, you know. But all those neurons are firing and all those things are happening. And Jesus is saying, I've got to be more important to you than you than your very body that gives you life that you take for granted every day until it stops working. But every day, Jesus has got to be so much more important to me. He's got to be my source of life, my body, my blood. So what does it take to eat spiritual food like this? Number one, I'm going to give you five things that you can take home with you today. Five things to take home about John chapter 6. Number one, you must recognize your spiritual hunger and your condition. How hungry are you today? How hungry are you for the things of God, for more of God? How hungry will you be this week when we're praying together as a church? Next week when we come back for revival that we show, God, I'm more hungry than sitting home watching TV. I'm more hungry because I want to see my brother saved. I want to see my church grow. I want to see us come together. I want to see that person healed. I want to see us grow closer as a family of God. I'm hungry for you. Number 2, we respond to the drawing of love and the spirit of God. The spirit is drawing people to him every day, and it's that love of God, the loving kindness of God awakens me to what this whole thing is about. I'm responding to God's call. Number 2 or number 3, we must believe Jesus is the son of God and by his blood we have eternal life. By his blood we have eternal life. Number 4, we learn to eat spiritually on the living Word of God. I've got to learn, okay, now that I have a new life, I've been saved, I, God come inside of me, fill me, give me new life. I'm a new creation in you. All things have passed away. All things become new. But now, that's not where it stops. you got to eat. None of you, when you were born, stopped eating. It went from milk to baby food to hamburgers, right? Catfish later on. You know, some of y'all probably had bottles that had sweet tea in it, but that's okay. We're, we're going along. We're going deeper. But when you learn to eat spiritually, it must be daily on the living Word of God. I tell people in their Bible, if you're reading your Bible every day, which you should, read your Bible every day. My, me personally, I try to read a chapter a day. Now I have my studies. But personally, outside of what I preach and teach, I try to read at least a chapter a day, just as a habit. But it's not about that. Sometimes I'll read two verses and then I begin to eat on it. And it fills me. And I'm going to stay on those two verses. Sometimes I've got to read four or five chapters before I find something that speaks and I begin to munch on. Every day, find something to eat. Not about how much, not about where, but it needs to be something you're eating on. It may be a verse. It may be a whole chapter. Maybe a whole study that you're doing that God is beginning to reveal things. But you've got to learn to eat every day. Number five. You've got to learn to grow and function as a part of His body. He's put His blood in you. He's telling you to eat every day on His flesh, the Word of God. And now He says, you are my body. What happens when your body's not functioning and you get up in the morning? You notice. You're not as functional. You can't, maybe if your arm's not working, it's going to be a little harder to drive and turn that steering wheel. You get up in the morning, you can't. One leg's not working. Your knee hurts. You're not walking so good. Same is true. You are all the body of Jesus Christ. How are you functioning? How are you growing? How are we united together? Because His blood is in us, but we're His body too. His blood and His body. We have to say that Jesus, your body and your blood are more important to me than my body and my blood. You understand that today? This church, this global church, is more important to me than my own flesh. His blood on the cross is more important to me than my own life. That's where He's taking us, church. He's taking us to understand this coming together every week is more important than what I do on my own time. It's not about a time slot. It's not about what we do and don't do. It's about saying, we are a church. We are the body. The embodiment of the Word of God is in you, His people and Maranatha, and First Baptist, and East Gina, and LNA Baptist. We are the body of Jesus Christ, the embodiment of the Word of God. Amen?